HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Hearst Ranch, the nation's largest single-source supplier of free-range, all-natural, grass-fed, and grass-finished beef. For more information, visit HearstRanch.com. Broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We talk about food. We talk about music. With musical dudes. Finger on the pulse. Snacky tunes.
so dreamy for a lovely, lovely summer afternoon. I'm Darren Bresnitz, one half your host of Snacky Tunes, Finger on the Pulse, sitting across from me is a guy who looks like, exactly like me, Greg Bresnitz. Yeah, this is going to be your last show for a while. I'm taking hiatus, going to work on an unyet title project, so we are going to uh, we're gonna have a good one today. That was just Erica Spring, uh, who will be playing later in the show. You may know her from Avra Simone, who I've been previous guests on the show or on the first compilation, and Erica's just an all-around great Brooklyn gal. And a good friend. Good friend. You can say something. No one can oh, see a thumbs up on radio. Okay, I wasn't near my microphone. Um, thank you, guys. I enjoy being friends with you, too. And she's also uh, my random train buddy every time I play squash. We always see each other. Yeah. 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 That's about it. Maybe you should invite me to play squash sometime, but I have a feeling you're probably really like good and mm, you need a challenger not like a relative. beginner it's relative um, I think you could take him you might be able to take me you have you have the length you have the limbs it's true yeah my grandfather was good at squash but he got hit in the eye and like something bad happened to his eye so. yeah what, what happened exactly like the ball went right into his eye yeah, and then it, he like lost sight in one eye or yeah he used to play the hard ball and no protective glasses yeah. it's insane it's insane <laughs> so. uh First up, though, today we have uh, Carl McCoy from Gwinnett Street, uh, one of our new favorite restaurants in Williamsburg, and he is here today to talk about the restaurant and talk about the five-year anniversary celebration of the Barbecue Blowout happening this Wednesday at Good Company at 7 p.m. Carl, welcome to Snacky Tunes. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to it. Really excited. Yeah, we get some really good... uh really good food coming you know speaking of uh grandparents i think uh you were telling us before we came on the air that your grandma is the reason why you were in food that's true yeah uh my grandma was like four foot one didn't speak any english and uh, where's she from she's originally from castavotrano and uh southern sicily in trapani and um as a kid i thought i was being punished about nine or ten because she had a pretty much like almost like an acre of just everything you could grow imaginable and um from like six in the morning till you know two or three in the afternoon it was it was work with grandma but uh was that to keep you off the streets yeah pretty much yeah keep me out of trouble but uh we got into trouble nine nine years oh old? yeah yeah man we're uh yeah we got in a lot of trouble i had a, I had a lot of siblings and cousins and things so uh where so did you just kind of grouped in yeah uh kansas city missouri okay yeah For barbecue fan yeah, yeah, well, yeah. That's my first job was barbecue and uh been sort of obsessed with meat and everything ever since, so. What's your uh, favorite barbecue cut? Ooh, I don't know if I have, I don't know, man. Uh, the Kansas City Burnt Ends is oh, yeah. is probably my, my favorite style. What so. is it about Burnt Ends that everyone loves so much? They're crispy and juicy and full of flavor and deliciousness. Those are all very... And you can kind of... Do them 500 different ways throughout the country, and everybody can do them differently with different sauces and make them taste completely different from the other one. Kansas City is one of those secret culinary towns that doesn't get yeah. a lot of love. I mean, it gets a lot of love for its barbecue, but it goes deeper than yeah, there's just some, smoked meat. There's some serious players there. Yeah. What uh, Name some. Yeah, and a what were some of the influences you had um, growing up there? Um, there's a couple guys, Corey Blue Stem, um, uh, John, firm, formerly from Starkers. Um, of course, LC from from LC's Barbecue, and then North Gates. Of course, from Gates is, is probably one of the most fundamental ones. Um, I grew up uh, with a guy named uh, so Brian Donegan. He had a place called McCoy's. Oddly enough, no relation, <laughs> um, but it was like a, a southern, a southern uh, American food, 
with the fried chicken and the biscuits and the barbecue and all the good stuff. And it was, I mean, to this day, you probably still can't get in there. Like it's, it's that long. Yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. You ever work in the pits? That was my first job. I was uh, 13 years old, and I get paid nine fifty an hour to work on a 800 degree barbecue pit with a bunch of uh, nine fifty. That's, uh, that's pretty good. Now is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Well, you and got you're, and you're a few years away from uh, nine. Yeah, you got burned a lot, so nobody would take the job, especially uh, you know, young, young, stupid kids. What was the bad, the worst burn you got? Um, I had, I had. Um, a, we were doing uh, barbecue beans, and the way that they, we did it at the place I worked at the time is you lay all the uh, marinated pork up top on the top grill, and you put the beans on the bottom course, grill get so, the drippings. Yeah, so that it gets the drippings. And uh, um, one of the beans popped a pretty good pop and threw a big chunk of uh, pork fat pretty much right on my uh, forearm, and that, that made a nice tattoo. So yeah. when did it switch from you think that you are being punished by working the garden to getting into food? Was there an epiphany moment, or did you yeah, just yeah Yeah, I, I, I caught on pretty early... Um, well, the, yeah, the barbecue was just sort of out of okay. I know I can I can play with food and I can marinate meats and cook and stuff. So let's get a job, you know. But um, uh, when I was about nine or ten, at the same time, my grandma kept at the time to be the punishment. It just sort of um, became something that became also. Um, I started to discover and understand like ingredients and why things smell the way they do and make flavors and make things taste the way they do with with proteins and fats and. Uh, so I'd say about twelve, thirteen. Yeah, it's pretty young. It's pretty young. Yeah, I'm advanced. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what? Alpha uh, male. And then, <laughs> what year did you realize that this was going to be your profession? Um, I think it was about eighteen. Really? Yeah. Uh, so what did you do in between thirteen? Did you work at the same barbecue spot? Um, no, I, I had a bunch of different jobs. Um, the last place I, I really, when I really decided that I was going to do some uh, stay in culinary. Uh, I was working at an Italian restaurant in Kansas City, and um, I just thought, you know, I, I don't know. What, and then I went away to college, and I worked. In, I, I went into other different jobs um, to make money, of course, because that's what you do. And then uh, quickly discovered that, oh, I really hate all this other stuff. So, <laughs> um, you know, I didn't want the the BS of responsibility as far as any corporate situation goes. So, went back into food at about 23, and uh, stayed in it ever since. And then I got a job at a French uh, restaurant in Kansas City called Exois, which is still there. It's really nice, uh, good family-owned place. Probably still has close to the same menu, but it's all still solid, <laughs> you know, Southern Provence-style stuff. Um, and there's when I really started to um, understand uh, sort of finer dining and that you can take things to, uh, you know, a different level and just to see how far I can take it and, and sort of ended up where we're at now. What's the most important thing you learned about fine dining that you still use today? Um... I think there's a couple things. I think one of the the biggest things is uh, that it's it should be never taken too seriously. Um, it's still food. It's still right. ingredients. It's still it's still uh, you know a modulation of things all put together. But um, it, it 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 needs to be relaxed, but it needs to be serious at the same time. If that makes sense for where I think what we have at Gwinnett Street especially is that you can have some really serious food, really serious ingredients by really serious chefs with composed plates that you'll never see anywhere else in the, in the world necessarily, um, but still have a uh, relaxed, laid-back time and enjoy yourself. I think the whole point of dining for me, and I've always been a big fan of it, is just uh, have a good time. That's why you're out. You know, That's why you're enjoying food. That's why you're with friends and people. You, you know. can do stepped-up food without being 
super serious. You can. Yeah, that's the whole goal yeah, for me. So then when did you uh, move out of Kansas City? What was your... Did you come straight to New York? Did you go somewhere abroad? What no, did you actually, um, I, I went to um, Italy. Uh, oh, <laughs> sounds nice. Uh, well, I have, I have you know, some connections there. Yeah, I know a guy who knows a guy. I know a guy. This restaurant fell off the yeah. back of a truck. No, it's just one of those weird coincidences. So a friend of mine um, I grew up with over the years. Uh, I don't know whatever that was. It's but, a joke that he's been making all weekend that I don't find very funny. Okay, okay. <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll, I'll dig into yeah, that later. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure we can make a pun off of that yeah. somehow. Um, oh, no, a friend of mine uh, inherited some properties essentially from his father in Rome, and there was a restaurant in the property, and he didn't know what to do with it. So he asked me if I was something I would be interested in, and yeah, just sort of. Were so you, how, were you so cooking? did you open the restaurant? Um, it was already open. It was an existing spot, right. but he he wanted to make it more uh, something a little more special and just still stay to Roman roots and all that stuff. But he didn't know how to the, do the the logistics essentially, and didn't really doesn't you know didn't really know to trust and all that stuff. So how long, yeah, I was cooking. Yeah, how long were you out there for? Uh, almost five years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Fluent in Italian. Um, yeah, you could say that. When I'm there, I'd like to think I am. You know, anyway. enough. Yeah. And what's it like to to have and run a restaurant in Rome? What's the differences between running an American uh, restaurant and a Roman? Night room? and day. It's night and day. The Italians <laughs> um, uh, are very laid back, no matter what. Uh, but then we were in a very heavy tourist area, so dealing with all all cultures of the world constantly. It's similar in New York to a degree, but um, on an Italian wavelength, is you're. I think the one of the major differences is in New York, we'll 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 modify hours and make time and you know open and sacrifice uh, just you know to keep people happy and customers coming in. Whereas the Italians, when they're going to take off, they're they're taking off. Oh, they don't care. They're oh no, close. no, we're closing. Yeah. What um, was like uh, working with purveyors and haggling and all that stuff? What was that uh, it? Took, it took me a while. Yeah, it took me about six months to really. Uh, are they still to screw you like they are in New York? Yes, and even more so in Italy. After all, uh, you know that's sort of where a lot of the modern day corruption comes from. Uh, Do you have any stories? <laughs> um, I used to deal with this guy. Um, he had a farm. It's really, really. Um, of course, you know, right outside of Rome, they all so served the Roman senators, and they were all. Uh, they've all been making everything they've been making since you know the beginning of time. So. Mm. Uh, they always had those good stories, but I had this one purveyor had the, he had this uh, beautiful, beautiful pork. It was the best. It was the best, best pork in Rome. And he, he would do it for porchetta, and you do it for guanciale, and it was you had to have it. But he only would sell to like three guys in Rome. Period. Right. And um, so the first time I went to him, I went with with one of the chefs that he sold to, and you know I was doing the friend thing. He's like, maybe. Let me let me see how it goes. Let me you know. Let me see if I have something for you later. So it took me about four months to really just dig into this guy, and then finally, um, one day after after I knew the market was closing, I was like, "All right, come with me." Like, you're you're pissing me off. I really yeah. want to serve your pork. It's the best pork in Rome. So come with me, eat my food, and then tell me you don't want to you don't want me to serve your pork, and I won't. And then after that, he's my best friend, you know. Now I can, every time I go to Rome, I have a place to stay, and I should marry his daughter, you know. That's, that's amazing. And it's the best pork. Just- it, it was probably, to this day, yeah, some of the best pork I've ever had. Did, what did he do differently? How was it? Um, a lot of them feed. A lot of it has to do yeah. with the feed. Uh, he liked to use a lot of nuts, acorns, um, um, just pecans, the cl- things yeah. like that. And this guy was crazy enough to where twice a year he would just stuff, uh, he would let pigs actually... He ground up a bunch of different types of truffles and and let them eat and gourd on it a little bit, 
and uh, the meat was pretty pretty phenomenal. But the co- the cost of that pig was pretty outrageous. I can imagine. And then uh, what brought you back to the states? I'm assuming New York. You came back to. Yeah, I um. Well, I went. I, I did a short stint in Philly. I really wanted to work for Mark Vetri. Love Mark. Yeah, great guy. Great guy to work for. His restaurants. His are, food is yeah amazing. Yeah, I just um, after reading all about him and everything, I thought, okay, if I I still have a lot to learn, I want to come to America, back to the states, and sort of see what everybody's doing. And then I came to New York. So I did a short stop, six months in uh, Philly, and then, and then since then I've been in New York for the last uh, five years. Yeah. Never too old to learn, right? Never, and I'm learning every day. You every know, day. It always will be. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, well, anyway, all right, so how about this? We're going to take a quick little musical break, and then we'll talk about the, the, the yeah. thing that is Gwyneth Street and how amazing it is, and we'll awesome. talk about the menu and the barbecue and all the good stuff that goes um, with being good. one of the uh, new best restaurants in well, Williamsburg. Well, thanks, man, yeah. McCoy from Gwyneth Street, and we were just talking about his journey to Williamsburg, and uh, when did you get the idea to open up what is essentially a New York restaurant? And I and we can talk about it as well, yeah. but in Williamsburg. Um, well, I don't know. Uh, I went all over. To, the minute I got here, I, heard, I was on the mission to do my own thing, and uh, I went to every borough, you know, every every place you could sort of check out, and Williamsburg, for me, was. I mean, you have Roberta's out here. You have, uh, you know, a lot of other wonderful places down on Bedford. 
it was one of the first places I went to where there was something different. There was something mm-hmm. that was just, they didn't care. They were going to do what they were going to do. They were going to make the food they wanted to make. Their restaurants and bars and clubs were going to have their own type of personality. And there's a little more leeway. And, and that's exactly what I'm looking for is sort of that acceptance to take a, take a risk of people trying to do their own thing and experience have and, and offer the experience that they want to offer people without without having a certain amount of limitations. So, and how did you hook up with uh, Justin Hilbert and Owen Clark, the chefs? I interviewed a lot of guys, and um, Justin and I just sort of hit it off uh, the minute we met, and just within an hour or two, we were joking around, just geeking out, sort of sharing food stories and stuff. And then um, how we got Owen was how I got Justin was. Uh, uh, Justin pretty much said, uh, I'll take the job when I offered it to him, but I, I won't take it unless you hire um, this guy, Owen Clark. I want him to be my sous chef. I'm like, well, I can't afford him. And, you know, there's no way. And he's like, well, what do you need to, this is what he needs to make. You know, what can you offer? And so he made up the difference out of his salary. That's how much he wanted. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, you don't get that kind of team. No. Have, have they uh, come up yet? To what they both wanted to make. <laughs> no comment. No, no comment. comment. <laughs> so, so we ask the hard question about snacky tunes. <laughs> that might be the hardest question we ever asked. So what is, what is it that Justin brings, and what's his pedigree, and then what do they bring together as a pair, and what is the food that you guys are serving well, the, up at Gwinnett Street? Yeah, uh, the team. Uh, I mean, Justin is is Justin's a genius at, at figuring out any flavor or any particular protein of anything off the cuff, and just. I mean, there's, and just coming up with the most magnificent sort of composed flavors of things that I think a lot of chefs think of or whatever. There's some great, I mean, obviously in New York, it's the greatest talent in, in the country, I think. But um, his finesse and style of it just, it, it really makes it snap and it really takes it to the other edge. Whereas I think they, they the team combination is fun to really watch them see sort of because one day Justin will come with me and have a plate, try this, and then I'm just like, okay. I give my two cents, and then Owen will come at me with the plate, and then try this, and then this is the plate after they've both worked on it together, and it happens, you know, vice versa. And by the end of every dish, it's amazing. Uh, but it never, you know, it never starts that way. And without the other, they really, they, I mean, I think they'd be fine. Of course, good balance, good creative tension. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's a, there's enough creative tension for sure. There's, I I yeah. think that's really the uh, most sure. successful projects are really with people who are not always saying yes to each other. No, they definitely they definitely challenge each other, and and we all challenge each other in a lot of good ways. Uh, but the whole, yeah, I've never I've never in my, in I feel like the luckiest. Uh, guy on the planet right now as far as my whole team my front of the house and back of the house staff i really couldn't ask for a better better group of guys man and for and for you being a rest restaurateur who can also hold his own in the kitchen how do you find like your opinion ways in because there are certain restaurateurs that are just that they find the chef they know what to do but they can't necessarily get behind the stove and you know knock out dinner service i i i just always wanted to make sure when i when you do something when i do something that i want to be able to know how to do it as well as anybody else there these guys are on a different level took me about six months for them to really understand that like oh hey carl does actually have a palate and knows what he's talking about i mean they worked for you know they worked at wd-50 blue hill marguerites and you know they've they've gone everywhere so i mean do you find it more like you're less common than the regular restaurateur um i um I, i don't know i guess so i think now the restaurateurs of my generation we're starting to become more more so people. Well, I mean, even Chris here. I mean, everybody does have some kitchen, some front, some a little bit of the aspects of all the restaurant, you know. And uh, I have to say, within opening a few months, you guys got a bang out review 
New York Times yeah, two star four, four months man how did that change everything <laughs> it, yeah it, it was it was like from going zero to a thousand yeah it, it really helped it was a great review for one and uh, like thank you people was it like the that night Times. people were in um, actually it was funny they plugged it on Eater that, that we were going to get a review mm-hmm. on Monday um, so and I I made the mistake of not knowing I didn't know Eater was going to plug it on Monday so I sent like everybody home except for me and the food runner and we got we did like a hundred covers like we just got crotched <laughs> oh, on that Monday night yeah yeah so uh, it was people just true. want to eat there in anticipation that it might be it might be good it yeah. might be good yeah so, so and then you know well, I was there before the review I, I yes was you were you, <laughs> yeah, both, you both were yes you, you both were how does it feel or how uh, did it feel to get that sort of review I felt great I mean it was it was one of those um I didn't expect like there's there's usually a pecking order in New York you know you get you get Time Out then you get New York Bag yeah. and then you get uh, if you get any of them you get New York Times and then I mean and we I saw Pete Wells first and I didn't really know what to uh, expect and then he came back and yeah it, it felt great I couldn't I mean the whole goal is to always the whole goal of doing the restaurant was hoping that we get enough attention to get a review but you never know if you're even going to get a review they only review yeah that's so many you know fifty two restaurants essentially less than that sometimes fifty a year. It, you know. Yeah, you want that review, and then you wind up with uh, what was it Nicolito that got a goose egg? Uh, yeah, that, yeah. No. That's we don't need to. We don't. We don't need to talk. We don't about do those type. Of I had a pleasant on. experience uh, at, the, at Nicolito. Yes. So, um, and what are your favorite dishes uh, and drinks? Because you guys have a great bar program as well. Let's say, yeah. let's say I'm coming in. What's the perfect order? Right now, the must-have we have um, uh, a peach king cocktail. It's sort of I like to do the seasonal stuff, and so do my guys. Uh, so it's it's Irish whiskey, with yellow chartreuse, uh, some uh, roasted peaches, done with just a touch of citrus. Hi, I would love to drink that. <laughs> I, I should have brought it. Yeah, yeah, thanks, man, for thanks, thanks, buddy. Sorry about that, guys. That sounds really good. Um, and then on the on the appetizers for me, we've got. I mean, really can't go wrong. Right now, it's probably the best, one of the best menus we've had since we've opened. Uh, everything is really solid, but I would definitely get. We have a um, summer bean salad. Actually, we're going to be doing it at the barbecue. Oh yeah! So it's uh, yeah. Erica Vera Romano beans, different summer beans. With uh, we made a, a smoked paprika strutzel mm. with some uh, pickled fennel and a, a garlic yogurt. Amazing! Let's really let's talk nice. barbecue. Yeah, so we're very excited. You'll see. You know, for those who don't know, Gwinnett Street is housed in the same building where <laughs> the Graham Lounge right. used to be, where right. we got our start at Finger on the Pulse. For seven your, years ago, it was your first uh, first gig, right? Like, it was our very first gig together. Uh, August, actually, yes. Like, was it eight years now? Seven years. Seven. Seven years, and we were actually celebrating our five year anniversary of the barbecue blow with you. And we thought that this would be a perfect little story. Yeah, the irony of the good. irony or yeah. coincidence. It's not coincidence. Um, I, I I don't I don't know in Williamsburg. I don't know if it's more irony or coincidence. <laughs> it's definitely not snark. Yeah, it's definitely not. Because I'm very excited. I am but sorry. I remember walking up to. I was look, looking on my phone. I was like, "Where is this place?" And then I just started laughing because <laughs> it was a pizza place before yeah. it was yeah. uh, in between. And I think you guys kept the oven and everything, right? Uh, we actually got rid of it. Now we had oh, okay. we had it uh, up to about two months ago. It just wasn't serving. She wasn't doing the thing? No, and I got really tired of... When are you guys making pizzas? Uh, yeah, <laughs> so. and, uh, but you guys uh, you guys are there, and you guys are doing the barbecue. We're so excited. Yeah, yeah I really can't wait. We got yeah, we got some good stuff. Uh, we're doing marinated pork shoulder, some miso barbecue sauce, and uh, some pretty funky duck legs. Um, not that those two words should go in the same <laughs> sentence, but uh, with some sherry and a duck shoe, we're going we're gonna to grill. Uh, yeah, man, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, and you'll be able to tie into your uh, humble barbecue beginnings. Yes, yes. 
Um, my simpleton, simpleton aspects. And then now, what, yeah, what can you say? I was just gonna. Say, I was gonna talk about one of the other dishes that we have. We have a, uh, a duck breast right now. It's really beautiful. Uh, so we we marinate our duck breasts in like a burnt citrus, and uh, right we have a it's a pecan with a peach and a farro, and uh, some Woodbridge greens on there on top. I was just finishing out the menu. It's going to be so delicious. I can't wait. Our ticket advance sales are www.fotpnyc.com. So and uh, what do you guys got coming up? What's the uh, the rest of the summer? I guess summer's almost. Like, what's the fall look like? Well, we got some events we're doing uh, in October. Andrew Zimmerman, um, the guy who's Bizarre Foods, does an event, um, uh, sort of like just a Brooklyn fair of all his favorite Brooklyn restaurants. So we're going to that. Um, that's going to be in the Old Williamsburg Bank downtown. And I think that's October 15th. And then we have um, Brooklyn Historical Society, uh, which I think is uh, October 26th, and the Brooklyn Brewery, which I'm really excited about. Uh, those guys come and give us a lot of props, and we sell their beer. But they eat a lot. Uh, you know, everybody comes by that you mm. sell stuff. The purveyors they always come by and like, oh yeah, you know, I'll drop hundred dollars, put it in my face. But like these guys have been like nine times. You know, oh, so oh, those guys go out. Yeah, man. Love Garrett. Love yeah. Garrett. We actually had Ben mm. on two weeks ago, mm-hmm. promoting the uh, Brooklyn Sweden event that we're going to be playing with oh, Erica and Alvar Simone. Oh, heading to Sweden. And they're excited. Brooklyn Brewery is Anybody also. Get a ticket to that guy. Yeah, yeah, just uh, we'll put you on the list. You just have to get there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's not a bad deal. Yeah, it's not a bad deal. And actually, Brooklyn Brewery will be serving up uh, beer alongside Avion water for the barbecue. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, we want to thank you for coming on. Stick around. I think you got another slice of pizza with your name on it. I think I'm definitely going to dig on that. And uh, what are all the nuts and bolts? How do people follow you? Internet, Facebook, Uh, Twitter? Twitter, uh, Facebook. Our website is uh, Gwinnett Street, G-W-I-N-N-E-T-T-S-T dot com. yeah, we're at 312 Graham Avenue, East Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Some would contest to say Bushwick. Just two blocks off the Graham Avenue stop. So <laughs> I know that walk well. I know that walk well. And, it's and so, I know that description I know very that well. Descri- <laughs> yeah, we tell people, get off Graham, take two blocks. It's totally fine. We, right but we were right past the bus stop. Yeah, yeah. Seven I years don't ago. go down that side of Metropolitan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I get that it's a kind of Williamsburg. It is. It's, I mean, Williams- it's definitely Williamsburg. It's, 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 really, it's really a cool, cool neighborhood. I mean, it's still a very old school Italian neighborhood. Mm. And uh, Have you eaten at that Mexican place around the corner? You go down Metropolitan Green and take a left. Graham Morales. Yeah. yeah, they're open 24 hours. Those torture sandwiches are, are ridiculous. Really yeah. amazing. There's a lot of really cool yeah. cool little spots over yeah. there, man. You know, it's, it's getting there. It's getting there. I was really, really bummed about Motorino. Uh, I know. We were across the street from them, and that was just um, a landlord debacle, unfortunately. But I thought it was. I thought the building fell down. Yeah, she didn't fix it, I think. Uh, okay. Something. And have you tried that new gourmet slider place, Something Castle? I, oh, I, I don't remember. Yet, I, I don't uh, remember. Uh, white. Something. Flares. Ivory, maybe. <laughs> Ivory, Yes. Ivory Tower. You guys good? Yeah. Stand up, you said? (laughs) All right, we're going to take a quick musical break, then we'll be back with Erica Spring. Try to 
gotta get that album it's really good it's really good so good i went to uh the uh whitney yesterday and just listened to that and looked at art mm. it was really good the yo-yo kusama yeah i was i've been wanting to talk to somebody who went to that because i'm a huge fan of hers but i wonder like what the show is it's, it all her installations uh there's a couple installations but it's mostly there's one installation and then a lot of it is um paintings is it the it's mirror amazing. room yeah the fireflies Okay. But the paintings are amazing. I I I didn't uh, know anything about her. Yeah, she's amazing. Um it's amazing. Her especially like her early stuff that uh Oh, I can't wait to see yeah. it. Yeah. Anyway, welcome to Snacky Tunes. Welcome we don't back have, to Snacky Tunes. We don't have time for food, music, and art. Okay. We can good. only do well, that's another that's radio another, show. Yeah. Um but we want to welcome Erica back to the radio show. You Thank were you. on here over two years ago? Yeah, t- I think when the last Ova Simone album came out, which yeah. was 2009. Around the same time we had you on dinner with the band. Yes, yeah. exactly. So 
Yeah. Um, and if you want to go back and find that episode, you can just search our uh, podcast on Snacky Tunes through iTunes or just look on Heritage for the streaming. It's all up there, um, which would be good because we want to kind of jump back into the conversation we were having two and a half years ago. Okay. Where um, Alvar Simone, we had discussed about putting out your own records, um, doing everything you're on your own. And now with your new release, your new EP, you actually teamed up with the label. Mm-hmm. So yeah. What? Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> Maybe to some people that would be selling out. No. Um, I met the this label, Cassine, and they put out celebrities, Chad Valley, and they're also sort of partner labels with the Swedish label Service that I'm a big fan of. So, yeah, it wasn't... Um, with Ovoa Simone, it was like many years of hoping that the picture in our mind of like how having a label works would appear in front of us and then we would like participate with it, but it didn't happen that way. And so we just started doing it ourselves and followed the model that our British label had of just you know, hiring, manufacturing, distribution, publicity, all that stuff. And it's been so fun. And the three of us have gotten to run this business in addition to writing songs together. And it's been a really huge privilege and such a great teacher. So, um, so even though I'm now working with a label, it's, I'm still, you know, they're a small label and they really want me to be involved in any way that I want to be involved. So it's still, um, you know, works really nicely. Are you ever like, um, hey guys, like maybe not like this? Probably I'm a, like I that. am a little <laughs> opinionated, like I, but I only I feel like I can be that way when I know what I'm talking about. So, I mean, it's, it's probably rare. I mean, I, I feel like a lot of bands, and we were just talking about, you know, some friends bands who are kind of waiting for a label, and then you could wait two years mm-hmm. for it to not happen when there's literally. Of so many modern tools and a lot of people you don't even have to present your music in an album format anymore like you can just put out a song stream it somewhere tell some people if it's good like i've i discovered this band that i've been telling everyone about called jeans wilder and they just had some free songs up um on Bandcamp and I was so into it. So yeah, I think that a whole career can be fueled by just like putting up some songs for free. I mean, I think that you could spend the time. Yeah, you could spend the time trying to find the label, but if that doesn't work, you could also since if, especially if you're in New York, mm-hmm. spend the time going out 5 6 nights a week meeting writers, meeting bloggers mm-hmm. and like creating your or own or staying home making awesome music. Once the music is done. <laughs> okay. No, no, I'm saying once once the music is done. Cuz we were saying like for someone yeah. who has a record done, like going out and meeting those people and being like okay, I want to premiere this track with you on that day and then that track with you on another day. And you can create your own... Yeah, I mean, a lot of people don't know, wouldn't know how to put those pieces together. So that's one thing. I mean, thing. but you, you figured it out. Yeah. She's a smart lady. <laughs> and, and she's got two equally smart other yeah, ladies. Yeah, I had a good team. And, like, we we had a really good group of friends. And Would you feel Williams comfortable Berg. breaking down the different roles of you three ladies? Oh, sure. I mean, it's very... It's like... Annie is the money person. I'm I like went to school for art and graphic design, so I help sort of art direct the albums and then um Heather is a Virgo and she's really good at like making lists and being organized. And I'm sort of like a mess maker and she can like straighten it straighten it up. <laughs> so, doing a solo project yeah. when you've been kind of couched in having two other bouncing points. How did it feel this time around to 
to do something on your own 100%? Sure. Um, I, well, I have been getting this question and I realized like this project was also really collaborative and it's, I was just collaborating with my producer, George Elbrecht from the band Violence. Mm -hmm. So it didn't feel like, okay, now I'm going to see what I can do by myself or whatever. It it didn't feel solitary. Even when I was writing the songs, I had this, I booked this show at PS1 kind of, um, randomly before I'd been playing much. And I, uh, asked my friend Alan from neon Indian to play keyboards with me. And like, so all along the way and Dev and Aaron, like they were really supportive and invited me to play up at Bard and, there was always like a drummer to sit in or somebody to play with me. So that was, um, even though it wasn't collaborating with Heather and Annie, it was all, it was right. all along the way still collaborative. Uh, all past guests. Are snacking yeah, kids. I know. It's a small community. A small <laughs> commu- and I think also past guests also of dinner with the band. Yeah. Yeah. We really did not. We really branched out. Around. Yeah. <laughs> oh, do you make cool music? You live in Brooklyn. Come on our shows. <laughs> um, why don't we uh, hear a song? Okay, cool. This is uh, one called six more weeks. I'm just going to, my keyboard turns off automatically. There, it's back. Okay, Erica sprang live on Snacky Tunes. I had six more weeks to go.
It's so good. Really Thank good. You. That was the song I was originally going to open the show with. I'm glad we talked. Yeah. Mix it up a little bit. <laughs> uh, so while the musical um, aspects were still collaborative, the lyrics, I'm sure, were deeply personal this time. Yeah, they were... Um songs are i don't know they i always have to fill in the gaps with like slightly less personal more just things that fit the rhythm and the, but the heart of the song is always has what, what do you mean you have to fill it like oh i don't know i mean i feel like i'm very precious about lyrics and then you know you get to a certain point and then you just have to finish the song and fit you know <laughs> like what you want to say doesn't fit into like the structure of the yeah, song yeah so you just kind of make it work your nine-minute epic poem doesn't yeah. quite fit into a three-and-a-half <laughs> totally. dreamy synth You're pop. like, this will be open to interpretation. People can, you know, what's, what's make an it exa- mean what they want. What's an example of a, of a change? Of a change? Oh, my gosh. I really wish I could think of something. There's some funny ones. Um, up to you. Oh, gosh. There's too many. I can't think of anything too right many. now. How literal do you get? Um, not very literal. I, I think that when I write a song, it usually arrives in my brain with some words that already exist. So then it's a matter of um, bringing, replacing them if they're ridiculous, which they often are, or bringing some kind of meaning, go, looking through old notebooks I've I always I keep trying to you know I'm always like have 10 different notebooks going at the same time and I'm always like I need to just have this one be this and this one be for this and this one be for this but like you know keeping your to-do list and your like poetry separate but I realize that's not really how I work so it's actually more fun to look at have this one notebook sort of document like a place in time and this is what was on my to-do list and this is what was in my philosophical um heart whatever maybe heather can help you organize it yeah she would be good at that but now she's like all ipad and like i can't i haven't upgraded to the digital so um, for that for that last song when you sing darling is it to someone specific or is it just like a general love song that song's actually about a friend who was going through a really hard time and just about being like at the edge of your own like being able to cope kind of situation and how much compassion there is like at that place from other people because we've all been to our own edges and um and beyond yeah it's just that song's just kind of about suffering i guess (laughs) and trying to get through it i mean a very real term yeah or topic i think so so when you're recording, as you were today and for this mm-hmm. album, uh, what, are, what snacks do you have on hand? Are you drinking a lot of tea, a lot oh, of health good food? good question. Um, yeah, Ova Simone has a hilarious backstage rider. We, ha- we have this whole like manifesto of like, we like fresh and natural foods and thank you for and any like local specialties <laughs> or whatever because variety is always nice and not having like the same thing of like hummus. But I, I was Veggie raised, platter, yeah, I was raised vegetarian mostly. And I just started, I learned that I'm anemic and I started eating meat a lot, oh, a lot. How's so that feel? it's great. <laughs> I like it. So I'm chained. I don't know. I don't know what is going to be on our future writer. Like are the other two girls vegetarians? Annie is, but she's also not all the time now. Cause yeah, everything's in flux. What's your favorite meat dish? A new 
I've just been eating burgers because it's sort of like the. It just seemed like a good way to get into red meat. <laughs> it's a it's a really good. It's a really good way. At multiple different types of meat all blended together. Have you ha- have you had a steak or bacon and that type of stuff? Yet? I'm not interested in bacon because I've grown up my whole life like smelling it and just not being into that. I don't understand that statement. Well, I just okay. It's really hard to understand. Like from my perspective, all of this meat stuff, it wasn't food to me. Like it wasn't right. something that I could eat or was supposed to eat. So I just didn't think of it as food. And bacon, I just don't. Yeah, like and also having spent my life like having bacon in stuff when I like didn't want it there <laughs> like right like you know. like what like salads and things yeah, like yeah totally uh, and bl- fake bacon bacon Ugh, yeah I, that's one of the biggest <laughs> atrocities I can understand the, so like the fake nuggets and even uh, veggie burger well I don't even understand the vegan food that's like fake that there was one place that had like fake chicken wings and there was like some kind of non-edible bone that they yes put. I've seen it that it's, it's, really like a, it's like a wooden me. dowel like, wouldn't you just eat like a mushroom or some peppers or I don't know I never got it. That, that, that stuff always really wrecked my stomach it was so processed and so yeah, weird yeah it wrecks everyone's stomach it's, oh my god not it's no. not I mean I think that's a whole other show yeah. for discussion totally like, anyway so yeah wholesome food like <laughs> snack wise fruit um you know Coconut water. I do. I Love definitely that coconut have a lot water. of coconut water. I've tried How real every... is it that, that it's close to blood plasma? Oh, I have no idea. I don't know. No, that's one of the, that's one of the things that, that is that it's uh, as close to as like the natural palate in your blood. It just feels there? good. It I'm, feels just, I'm good, saying, like, look it up right now. Your, yeah, it's, uh, it's super refreshing. Have you? Yeah, let's get another song. Okay, this is a cover. It is. Um, a eurythmic song. Did anybody see the I saw Annie Landa Classics. That was, I think she won. <laughs> she as far as spectacle goes. I think uh, she really, oh, we're going to put the Spice Girls on top of cars. I yeah, thought Annie that was Lennox cool, though. Is gonna come out the on, Spice like, Girls were awesome, too. They, they were great, but Annie, Annie Lennox, Lennox was, was like awesome. over the top. She is so amazing. Yeah. I think that clothing performance. You guys should all listen to the first Eurythmics album. I just What's heard it, it called? recently. Uh, in the Garden. No, that's maybe a song. I can't remember, but it's easily found. Just look it up on Wikipedia or Spotify. Okay, yeah. this one is a is called When Tomorrow Comes. Underneath your dreamlit eyes, shades of sleep have driven you away.
rad awesome thank you thank you guys uh love it um so you have a show on Wednesday? I do, at Mercury Lounge. I just went out to L.A. and San Francisco to play my West Coast represent dates. and um, <laughs> Represent? How was it? people call it a tour. <laughs> Mini. This it, was, is it was a micro tour. Represent my... Rep- I've been, yeah, I'll be representing for about a month. Did you get any good food out in San Francisco? I did. I went to the Mission and I had Taqueria Cancun, which is like my place. And we tried to go to La Superica in Santa Barbara on the way up, but... It, there was a crazy line, so we went to like the less touristy place that's two doors down, and it's equally that, amazingly good. What are those? La Superica is like the, at least in the music world, that's like where you go when you're driving north of California okay. for tacos. Okay, yeah, I'm a, I was, I'm a El Farolito guy. Instead is that of in the mission? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I don't know. I've never tried that. I, I was. Yeah. I think you have. I mean, I I've should tr- try it. I've tried Cancun. It was good. The, they have nice decor. Uh, yeah, the decor at Farolito is And they're is very gumpy. liberal on the avocados. Very is, liberal on the avocado? Yes, yeah, so that's this one place. thing that's they're very. I mean, it's, avocados are so cheap out there. It's true. Yeah, why not be what's, liberal? What's your order? What'd you get? Well, veggie burrito. I was sort of like in the... In the midst. That's Well, that's just what I always used to get before I made the switch. And to be honest, I'm, I'm being a little weird about the meat. Like, I'm only having, like, super grass-fed I can, That's not weird. I totally get that. Okay. You, you want to know... That it's good, clean meat. Yeah. Not saying that the meat at El Farolito is... No, of course not. It's just... I'm just, you know, baby steps, so... It's fine. Little baby steps. We'll come back next time. We have, like, bacon earrings. What's the good um, order at El Farolito? I I get the carne asada quesadilla suiza, which is just gut-busting and awesome, and I eat it eyes down alone Uh (laughs) and uh, don't look or talk to anyone. There are also some taco... Not taco... Some trucks... There was an Indian food truck in San Francisco oh, that was um, delicious. It's it, down in the business center, right? Yeah. It's, uh, I forget, I'm, I know those guys. It was delicious. God. That was, and I didn't, and I didn't get to go in LA, the place to go is Cafe Gratitude, and I missed that. I still haven't been there yet. What's the deal with Cafe Gratitude? You, your orders are like, I am grateful. All, it's like you don't it's, order it's, food, you it, order it, like manifestations. It's all know? affirmations. Yeah, affirmations, yeah. not manifestations. Wait, what? What do you, yeah. like... Like, but it's but it's actual. I am joyous. I am love or something. Yeah, but what, and, but, and that but, means like you know brown rice with whatever. Oh, uh, <laughs> okay, all right. So you get a little bit of positivity, and then you get some yeah. really healthy. You get some kale and brown rice. So yeah. they call your name like Erica. You are loved. Something like that. Do they flip the yeah? The totally, they do. Totally. Clever. It's like ordering a hug. <laughs> totally. Um. So uh, the show is this Wednesday yes. at Mercury Lounge with Tiny Victories and Tizeo. Yeah. They're amazing. And then we are all going to go off to Sweden together. Yes. Which is going to be amazing. And I will finally see Avvar Simone Yes, live. in Sweden. In I think Stockholm. I've seen you once at Public Assembly. When it was Galapagos. Wow. That would have been a long time a ago. Long when there was still a pool. Um, We're still a keyboard playing trio. And then... Um, ladies. Yeah. And then when's the new Avvar Simone album come out? We're recording right now. It's going really well. It's The songs are awesome. I don't know. To, to be TBD. Mm. Sometime maybe next year. Yeah. Okay. And then um, what are the nuts and bolts to find your own, your project? Um, Erica Spring on iTunes or Amazon. I have vinyl. You can order it online. And um, the vinyl's really beautiful. And yeah, I'm on Facebook and all that. Twitter? Twitter. And I'm mostly an Instagram Twitter user. What, but what's the uh, handle? Erica underscore Spring. I'm 
I got my record Instagram likes yesterday for a bucket, a, a basket of um, berries from a farmer's market in the Hamptons, and it was 62 likes. So fair. So all of you listeners, feel free to follow me and beat my record. Okay. And then, um, so you're going to take us out with actually a remix that you did, right? Yes. And what is this remix? This is by a Nashville um, uh, band called Jensen Sportag, and they are also on Cassine, the label that I'm on. So here it is. It's it's a remix of my first single from the EP called Hidden, which was the song you opened with. And then uh, thanks for listening, Darren. We'll see you in six months. Something like that. Something like that. I'll be back and forth. And then uh, make sure to come out to the barbecue this Wednesday, 7 p.m. Good Company, uh, FOTPNYC.com. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.